Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. Today's episode of Laz and Powers is brought to you by Game Time. Okay, folks, time for a little pop quiz. Do you think Blackhawks tickets are cheaper three weeks or three hours before the game? You can find the answer with Game Time, the ticket buying app that proves patience is more than just a virtue. It can save you some serious cash. Game Time is the leader in last minute tickets. Pick your deal, see the view from where you're sitting, and buy in two taps. More than 12 million fans have downloaded the Game Time app and discovered the fastest, easiest way to get into the game. So download Game Time in the App Store or Google Play, work that clock to your advantage, and score last minute tickets. It's not about me. I'm only here for a minute. And I know that I can't fix it. I can help even just a little bit. Won't you let me try? Hello, welcome to our Lazarus Power Show. Is it Laz and Powers podcast? Laz and Powers show? I think just Laz and Powers. Oh, welcome to Laz and Powers. <laughs> I think it just stands on its own. This is Scott Powers with Mark Lazarus, and we're here at the United Center uh, for our, our Monday podcast. This one's free and open to all. Welcome. Welcome. Those of you missing out on the Thursday ones, you missed out on the good one. Yeah, that was our I'm best podcast. You, yeah, you really should subscribe. Or it's all downhill from here either way. It could be one or the other. But you can access it and, and, and just enjoy it in retrospect. Yes. So we're here. It's after Monday morning's uh, morning skate. Uh, they're playing the Oilers tonight. The 5-0-0, yeah. red-hot, smoking it. Man, that Oilers-Sabres Stanley Cup final is going to be crazy. I just pulled out my notes, and it was from the Winnipeg game, and I was like, whoa, that's kind of wild. <laughs> I was confused for a second. Speaking of Winnipeg, they went out after beating the Blackhawks and lost to the Penguins, I think it was 146-2. to Yeah, they got rocked, huh? That's how you're supposed to handle a team with no defensemen. That's yeah. what, look, the Blackhawks had no 5-on-5 five five goals against a team with zero defensemen. And they didn't change the lines. All they're doing today uh, is, is swapping out Perlini for Nylander. I watched, sure first, uh, I watched the first. I watched a period and a half this morning because I wasn't here Saturday. Um, and, and there's chances there, but it's oh, not, they were good in the first period. Yeah, yeah. like it's uh, and the second period got weird because it was like they got two penalties in the first ten minutes. Um, there's also I, I looked I, I went to go I was kind of digging through the numbers today. And it was the uh, there's one line that just killed them. Like it was the uh, was it. Was it Ehlers, uh, Connor, and then... Was it Cop? Cop. Yeah. Like, every other line was at, like, 50% or lower for the Jets, basically. And that was the line that it was, like, 1,000%. Um, so I, I, my thought, too, is that is there, is there a line on the Hawks where, you, like, if you have a line that's killing like, even tonight you're going to see McDavid out there. Do you have a line that it's going to defend like that? Like, is it... Because the Saad the, the camp, Kubelik line is the one that got punished, and then... Uh, Taves' line got punished against that, and, and certainly probably not the Strom line. Um, and you're not playing the Carpenter line a whole lot. Like, do you this have is a, why I don't like this current lineup that yeah. Jeremy Carlton has. There isn't that safety net line where you can just throw them out there. And I, I granted they don't have the kind of personnel they did seven years ago, six years ago, when you could trot out Boland with Froelich and Kruger and mm-hmm. shut anybody down. But you don't have any line that's really constituted that way. Like, Saad camped Kubelik is closest, but Kubelik's not that guy. He's an offensive guy. Yeah. 
Uh, Taves is that guy, but not when he's playing with Debrinket. Stroll and Kane line, certainly not that line. This this current lineup, as constituted, doesn't make sense to me. It doesn't maximize the personnel you have. Uh, you know, put Shaw with Sod and Camp, or put Sod with Taves and uh, Kajula. Yeah. You know, there's ways to get a line that you could throw out there and feel comfortable with against any line. There's no line in this lineup that I feel comfortable going up against Connor McDavid tonight. It, it go, I mean, part of it's in, the problem I think with the camp line is that you also need to create p- possession the other way, and I'm not sure camp creates that. You know, like defensively he he's good, but they were stuck in their own zone a lot yeah. last game too, where they're not pushing the other way. Uh, Sodden tapes makes sense a lot of reasons. Then you can figure out who that other winger is. Um, but if you flip Saad and, and Kubalik with Taves, I, I'm curious to see what would, would be there. Like, it would I just think be a little bit more offense there, a little bit more that, defense. And then, you, and then you throw, for the, the complete polar opposite, you throw Strom with Dabrinkit and Kane. I don't think you, could, you should be breaking up Dabrinkit and Strom. No. They're, they got the Wonder Twin powers. Let them activate. And throw Kane with there. Let them go have fun. See what happens. If it's a total disaster defensively and you have to... You, you owe it to yourself to at least explore what that line can do together. Well, I, he, I, I think we saw one preseason game, and he moved away from it quickly. Yeah. Like, he's moved away from things that he just he doesn't... I mean, you saw in the opener in Prague, that give-and-go that Kane and Strom had. Strom knew exactly what Kane was going to do when he yeah. gave him that puck. Most guys pass the puck to Kane expecting him to shoot. Strom knew that puck was coming right back to him. They yeah. have that kind of similar sense of the game where throw the three of them together, because yeah. you know Dabrinkit and Strom have it. You know Kane can play with just about anybody. Kane has more life. I wrote this today. Like You can tell when he's out there with those two guys, there's a little bit of spark to him that you haven't seen since like the Panarin days. Maybe even there's the just the creativity days. that's yeah, there. Yeah, it you sparks know? him yeah. to be a better player. And, no, that line is not a good defensive line by any stretch you, of the imagination. you can create it elsewhere in the lineup. And, you know? and you have, you're the home team. You can create the matchups you want. Put them out there in favorable situations and just let them go crazy. Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't. It, you know, the fact that you're even going back with Nylander is a fourth liner. I don't. I don't know if that works. It's you know? the same thing with Perlini. What is Nylander going to do yeah. on a line with Zach Smith and Ryan Carpenter? It doesn't make sense. Just because you don't like a guy doesn't mean you put him in a fourth line role. Yeah. If you're going to put Nylander or Perlini, either one of their them, upside is their offense. They're up, exactly. Yeah. Put him in an offensive role, even if it's on the third line. You know, Brendan Perlini. He played seven minutes the other night, yeah. and he played really well. Mm-hmm. You look at his possession numbers, and it's an incredibly small sample he leads, size. I think he leads the league in course here. <laughs> <laughs> and he got fetched. I mean, again, it's a really small right, sample right, size, sure, so you have yeah. to take that with a huge grain of salt. But at the same time, you know, what are they going? what is Alex Nealander going to do on a fourth line in the NHL? That's, it doesn't benefit anybody. It doesn't benefit him, and it doesn't benefit the Blackhawks. If they're losing, I, I mean, all I see is Kane start double-shifting, and that's Which what, is what happens. Yeah. I, you know, I was, um, I was down in Rockford on Saturday to go see Kirby Doc's pro debut, and I, I came away, and Doc, Doc played fine, and he can play in the NHL, and we can get in that, but there's other guys like Highmore and even Secure now who's, I think, he's evolved his game a little bit more. He's, he's playing defensively, but, you know, I see Highmore, and I saw Vadim, and I see guys who fit uh, what you're trying to do with Nylander now, or maybe they can move up and down the lineup a little bit, uh, but mostly they can defend, and I think they make more sense, so... I know that they want this Nylander thing to work. They're really trying hard. And but but even if, if it's, we'll see what happens tonight. But if he's not in a top six, maybe top nine role, I don't I don't know if it makes a whole lot of sense or not. You, know? you can't let you know the image of a trade influence your lineup decisions. And I don't know for sure that they're doing. No, that. No, no. And I think we're reading feels, It feels like they're really, really trying to make the Nylander thing happen when. He's still a young guy. You can Maybe send him needs, down. You like, can send him down. You would other guys. I think you would it's send not him a tr- down. Yeah, everyone's gonna wail and ask Keith about it if you send him down. Like, oh god, we but it's to overall like it's what happens five years from now, right? Right. 
And you know, Nealander's a young guy. He might need. He's like this. He's younger than Secura. Yeah, oh yeah. He's younger oh, than a yeah. lot of these guys. So I mean, why not bring up a guy and see if it's different? I mean, again, I, I feel like we need to preface all of this because we're starting to sound like Twitter in a little bit. In that people are like, it's, this has been a very Chicago reaction yeah. to this Blackhawks start. They lost the first game by one goal in which they had an own goal fluky bounce off Slater Cuckoo's chest. They lost their second game by one goal, including a goal, an own goal, that bounced in off Connor Murphy's fist. And they lost their third game in overtime, which is always a fluky, because three right. overtime is not hockey. This team is not far off. Right, but I think part of it is that you're seeing similar traits the last yes. season, right? Like, that's, it's, yes. it's, uh, their one goal losses, they probably could have gone either way. And, uh, but it's, you thought... And, and even now, like I feel like everything is an overreaction because this was the first game you saw DeHaan and Murphy and everyone together, and they played better. Um, but the problem is that you go on four, on five. Like it, it does it, feel like it it's massive, right? Yeah. yeah. Like if you, if you lose two or three in in January, yeah, like it's you can rebound from that. This just just it's, just I mean, we, we and again. The Buffalo Sabres won 10 games in a row early last year yeah. and missed the playoffs. So just because the Oilers are 5-0-0 doesn't mean they're making the playoffs. Just because the Blackhawks are 0-2-1 doesn't mean they're missing the playoffs. But yeah, you got Edmonton, and then you got Columbus, you got Washington, you got Vegas, you got the Flyers again, you got Carolina. You know, there's there's not a break here. You got to start winning a couple of games. Yeah. You got to get some points here, and and that's why that or you you need to start playing like with such an emphasis on the second period tonight that. Like you, like that's what you want to see. Like regardless of the scores, you you lose three to two, whatever two to one today. But if the second period's better, or if that's still a problem, like that becomes it starts becoming a four game issue. You know, like right. if you start seeing things that are repetitive, I think that's where it, where it is. You know, I'm I'm surprised, and I think based on the other people, everyone's a little surprised that Robin Leonard's not starting tonight. Mm-hmm. And look, Corey Crawford is the number one goalie for this team. Corey Crawford's going to be fine. He wasn't awful in those first two games. But Robin Leonard looked better against Winnipeg than Crawford looked in the first two games. And why not give him the net again? He played really well. He looked really confident, composed. The only goal, the, 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 the game-tying goal was a completely blown assignment by Jonathan Taves. And the game-winning goal was like almost like on a, on a muffin of a shot that kind of dived on him. So why wouldn't you put him in there again and just see... See what it looks like. Yeah. See if you can get a hot hand. Because that's how these goalers are going to play out. And, and we talked to Jeremy Colleton just now, and he said there is a roadmap. They're not sharing the roadmap, of course. I wouldn't expect them to. But they do have a general idea of how they want the goalies to play out. But you I need to, I, I don't to adapt know, on the fly. Yeah, like, I don't know how much, like, that's, that's all and good. But ultimately, you, if one guy's rolling, then, especially Crawford, I, I mean, I don't know I mean, about Leonard as much, but... But a lot of goalies, they want to play when they're playing well, right? right. And especially Crawford. I mean, he's he gets in, in sync. and um, So I get wanting to get Crawford playing well. But, yeah, yeah I don't know. I just it, it seemed like as well as you played last game and uh, the shake it up. and Yeah, it, it was. Well, it's weird because they, they, they scored a bunch of goals against the Flyers. They scored three goals. They looked okay offensively. Mm-hmm. They looked really good offensively against the Sharks. And they changed all the lines. The PK really shorthanded. They were really good <laughs> against Winnipeg. Yeah, yeah, against Winnipeg, the offense is non-existent yeah. to a degree, and you change, you don't change the lines. I'm yeah. not sure. I don't. I don't. I don't know what the plan is here. Yeah. Like I, I, I'm not saying that Jeremy Colton needs to panic and freak out and blow everything up, but at the same time, I'm not sure what they're seeing because it doesn't seem to jive with what I'm seeing. Yeah, I, I don't know. I I guess at some point you want some consistency, so maybe it's they saw something that there's. The brink of Taves doesn't work. They're two different players. They, yeah. It does not work. You need someone who can set up the brink kid, you know? And there's not really. I mean, Kajula is. I mean, he, 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 there's parts of his game that are offensive, but I wouldn't necessarily think of him as the same way. He's creating, you know, 
the Brinkett's getting set up by Strom or Kane or whomever. Right. And Taves, I feel like, is a little bit more aggressive where he likes to shoot. And, yeah, I don't... I, I mean, don't... I'm an advocate, obviously, I've said a thousand times now, of, of, of to bring it Strom, Kane. But the bring it Strom, Shaw line works, too. Well, you got your that, grinder, then they Shaw scored a couple of goals. Like, that's the strange thing, is they moved away from that line where it was, it scored two goals that game. Right. Like, it had more goals than that camp line, as good as that camp line was two games ago. So, yeah, I don't know. I, I felt like you, all of a sudden, you had two lines that showed signs, and then... But I guess to make that top line work, you probably need to take pieces off of other lines. I keep coming back to Andrew Shaw should be tried at third-line center. And again, I don't know if he's still got the legs to play center. It's a much more demanding role and requires a lot more skating. But he's done it in the past. He's a good face-off guy. And he's certainly got more offense in him than Kempf. And it, 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 it balances out the lineup a lot better. Because then you can have a top line of Saad, Taves, Kubalik. Second line of Debrinket, Strom, Kane. And then you can have Shaw in between the guys like Nylander and Perlini or, uh, or, or with Kajula. You know, all of a sudden you put Nylander and Perlini in a line that makes a little more sense for them. Yeah. And then the fourth line, you can put Camp on there. And Smith, Carpenter, Camp, that, maybe that's your shutdown line. Camp can play that role. Camp is an outstanding defensive forward. Right now, he's being put in a position that's not optimal. Yeah, I, I think until... I, just, I feel like they're, they're adamant with putting Camp on that third line. And they want to make that work. And they feel like he's capable more it's offensive. It's funny. They, they look at David Camp so differently. Like... like it's like the polar opposite of the way they look at a Brendan Perlini. Yeah. They have no faith in him whatsoever. Brendan, I cracked a joke on Twitter today with Sam Fells, but I mean, basically, Perlini's the new Henry Yoki Haru. When he's out there, pretty good things usually happen, but for whatever reason, he's not in favor with the coach. The coaching staff doesn't seem to trust him. And I get that Perlini has long stretches where he just vanishes, yeah. but the guy can score in bunches. And. You're not putting him in a position. It just, yeah. it just feels I, I just go back to him. The, 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 I'm was, seeing something different. Than he was the NHL player of the week last year. Like there's there's that ability there, and then you saw it in Arizona too. I just if you were looking 45 goals if you were looking seasons. to spark someone on the top line, I give him I give him a chance over Nylander. You know, like I you, you threw Nylander on the top line and it didn't work. Why not give Perlini that same opportunity? Because the upside, at least statistically right now, it's it's higher. You know, it's because they don't trust him. Yeah, for whatever reason, just like they didn't they didn't love Yoki Haru the way that that Quenville did, they don't love Perlini the way that some of us. I mean, and, and, and I'm not here to make him out to be some like you know future forty goal scorer. Yeah, but there's certainly some ability there that's just wasting away in either a, a scratch roll or a four. The guy who gets healthy scratch night in night out is supposed to be kind of like an extra guy. Yeah, he's supposed to be like the fourteenth best, thirteenth best forward in the team. Usually a grinder, usually an interchangeable bottom six guy. It shouldn't be Nylander or Perlini. Yeah, those guys like Nylander. If he's not going to be playing a big role, Rockford, should be in Rockford, and Perlini should be playing a, a top nine role for at least give him a few weeks. Don't give him seven minutes in the fourth line, then immediately scratch him yeah. back out. What are you seeing out of that? What are you getting out of that? See what you have in him. Give yeah. him a real chance, and then decide whether he's your guy or not. D- defensively, I thought the pairings looked better last game, or at least from what I saw. That compared to man, Mata Seabrook has been struggling. Yeah, yeah. I, part of the problem I saw I, just from what I said, they're just there's times where they just can't exit the zone, and, and, and sometimes it's Seabrook's passes or just I feel like it's they get it out and then they're back in there. Like it just it's time consistently spent in the D zone. Um, yeah, I don't know what you do. Like the problem is, you know, I, I had a good talk with Eric Gustafson today too, and um, like when he's not offensively rolling, like all of a sudden you have another third pairing guy. You know, like he needs to be, he needs to be really good offensively. And I thought the Keith Murphy pairing was better, and you have something. Keith there. Murphy's worked every time they've gone to it over the years. It's, yeah. well, it's, it's not, not, I think it's that, not dynamic, but yeah. it's, it's 
It's it's a reliable pairing. I think I think the the issue with that is just whether you can create enough offense out of it right. sometimes, right? Well, Gustafson was interesting. I mean, I, I know you were in Rockford last night, but the thing I noticed, and I talked to a couple of the other, uh, uh, let's just say, team officials, and uh, the thing we all noticed about Gustafson was he did not stray below the dots like the entire game. Like he yeah. clearly had been chastised by someone in the coaching staff or something like, stop fucking doing that. Because yeah, yeah. he was getting... And, and you hear Colleton talking today. He's like, oh, he's better. You know, he wasn't putting himself in uh, in uh, in bad positions. I mean, that's exactly what he's talking about, where, you know, uh, he was pinching on almost every play in those first couple of games and really trying to make the offense happen, which is his forte. But it was coming at the cost of his defense. Yeah. Against Winnipeg, it was almost too much the other way. Like you said, he becomes a third-pairing guy if he's hanging back and playing. He played a much better defensive game, but he didn't bring that offensive dynamic. That's the, the trick for him is always going to be to walk that fine line. And he's going to make mistakes every single game. If he's being the guy they need him to be, he's going to screw up every single game. It's just a matter of how many times he does it in the game. He said he and DeHaan had a conversation after the skate this morning about DeHaan basically said, you know, you be aggressive and I'll, I got your back. And I, I think that's part that's of it, too. great. That's you what know, like the, That's what he needs. And then he also said that he, you know, he felt really good in the preseason where he was rolling with the puck and everything was clicking. And he feels like it just, it's gone the other way. And, and so he, um, you know, I'm hoping to maybe write about this tonight see, see how he plays. But just he, he said he wants to be looser. Like he feels like it's, it's all of a sudden he's, you know, he's, he's holding on the stick differently and he's doing things differently than he was. Because I felt like even the preseason where he's just so good at moving – uh, defenders with the, with his little you know fakes and jukes yeah. and um, you know creating things offensively because ultimately they don't have a lot of o- offensive defensemen you know like you you have the guys that you think more of guys that defend you know and you need someone that's um, the change this year is they've kind of gone to the they, other they, way they went yeah. out and gotten Mata and Dahan were both stay at home guys yeah and you know we talk about Boquist and, and Mitchell. And Yuki uh, Haru, yeah. these guys were puck movers. Yeah. And now you've only got one of them there. You got Gustafson. Everyone else is off in the distance still, or in Buffalo. Yeah. <laughs> so, but man, I, I and I and I hate to keep beating that dead horse. But what would this defense look like with Yoki Haru on it right now? Well, I don't know who comes out. Yeah. Because the obvious choice would be the one that they're not going to do, which would be Seabrook. Right. But where, yeah, where? He's certainly better than what they have right now. Well, I, and Keith loved well, playing with him. We, we that talked, can't be discounted. We talked about this trade too much already, but it's it's again it's 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 even not even Yoki Haru was going to play in the NHL or not. But why not? I feel like you affected your NHL depth. You know, like you just you. I we don't do. think I don't think you needed a Nylander in the lineup. Where you more now you're calling up you know Gilbert or Holm or whomever, and you, you don't have a lot of NHL experience, especially with Dahlstrom being How picked up. How did Philip Holm look in Rockford? Yeah, he was good. They actually put him. He was on the top power play unit over. I Bullock liked him in the, in the yeah, camp. like he can move the puck. He's got some size. Um, he's got a big shot. Yeah, I was surprised that they he was on the top power play unit over Boquist. Um, I think he could play in the NHL now. I I, I continue to like Gilbert's game. I think that. Um, yeah, Gilbert's going to be unfairly stigmatized by one really bad play in Prague. Yeah, he right. just gave the puck right away, but. He, overall, he's still got an NHL-caliber game. Ice Hawks are interesting. Like, last year, there there wasn't much offense there. and They were, looked like an NHL team. You could tweet out the lines of yeah. them last, on Saturday. I'm like, holy crap, they got a lot of NHL guys. It's, it's weird. It's the one line is, like, all lines all, like, 26 and older. It's, it's for Stieg, Nielsen, and uh, Vadin. So it's, it's right. all the old guys. And uh, that line's pretty good. And then it was uh, Tyler and Dale, Dylan Secura with uh, uh, Highmore. And then Hagel and Doc. Um and they, like I think four ten was like a healthy scratch. And like there's there's even guys sitting there, um, and defensively they're a lot better too. With Bokus and Gilbert were pairing, um, Tulolo and uh, uh, somebody Holm and uh, I think Tulolo maybe Bodan. 
Um, but anyways, up and down, and Delia's in that, so they lost that game, but they, they played well, and I, there's offense, and, and uh, Sorella is there, and yeah, I, there's just more interesting players than in, in past years. Some more interesting than the Blackhawks do, frankly. <laughs> yeah. So what did you add to Kirby Doc? Tell us about it. He, uh, he he's really good, you know. Like he I just, just let me clarify these because everyone's asked this, but uh, I think most people know this. But these games in Rockford do not count against his right, yeah. nine games. Yeah. So, so he can he can, he can, he can be down there for two weeks. Right. Um, uh, I talked to Mark Bernard after the game. He said he was going to play again today. They'll play playing a little bit, and they could play again on Friday. There's three home games there, um, and then maybe you know he's played three home games, and then you probably bring up here and give him a look, right? Um, but he he does he, he just he, he uses his size really well. He uh, you know he, he affects he affects the puck, and I felt like he you know was getting on the forecheck and doing some things. Um, he holds on the puck and he gets knocked down, and he still holds on the puck and. Um, he got knocked against the boards a few times. Probably good coming off a concussion. Just feeling that. Um, you know, he played with Hagel and uh, uh, Moultrie. Um, he and Hagel played together in Traverse City, so there's a little bit of familiarity there. But um, he, he created some chances for them. You know, he held on to it. He's really good at just he gets through the neutral zone so quickly because he sets such long strides, and uh, I think it just creates a lot of possession because he just he holds on to the puck and um, faceoffs. I, I don't think he won a faceoff that night, so like that's maybe a slight area concern early. On um, one of the goals, he just he uh, he wasn't aggressive enough getting the puck to the puck on a pass, and then sat there and watched it. So I think there's lessons, and ultimately he's still 18 years old, and and the knock on him still is, is inconsistency. But uh, from what I saw and what I've seen, I, I I think he could play in the NHL right now, um, and he he'd help you. It just it depends on how much and whether. I I still think that he won't be in the NHL this year, just based on I don't think he helps you enough. And then also, I think the RFA situation has got to scare you a little bit more than in the past. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's that's the big question. I mean, it's, it'll be interesting to see because I don't know if the Blackhawks. I think they're certainly leaning towards. They just want to see him get a couple of yeah. games and send him back. But what if he's good? Yeah. Like how? What's it going to take for them to be swayed? Is what's going to be interesting to me. What if he's? What if he's just fine? What if he's better? At, what, what you know? What if you know? He's, he, they're probably going to use him as a wing. I don't think they're going to put him right yeah. in the center. We've seen them ease guys like Tara Vinen and a lot of these guys at wing, even Shaw when he was a rookie. Yeah. Uh, what if he's perfectly capable out there? What if he's better than what you have? Like, how much better does he need to be for you to be willing to lose a year of, of player control? Well, the same way I thought about Yokiharu is the way I look at Doc is that when I look at the lineup, I don't see someone being pulled. Like, when they when they went out and got Dahan and, and, and Mata, like, it just, all of a sudden you add up the numbers and there's no spot for Yokiharu. Um, and now I don't know who they pull. Even even now they're going to sit Nylander. Like all you're doing is rotating a fourth line guy. Right. Like where where exactly does he fit in? You know, like they like Kubalik enough, and and he's shown that he's capable. And um, and you're not going to put Doc in a fourth line. Like ideally, you do what they did with with, with Saad. You know, alongside Hosa and, and Taves as a rookie. So um, I don't I don't know like mathematically if it, it just it's going to fit either. Like it, it would means sitting someone, and I don't know if they're willing to do that. I mean, only four guys from this draft have played so far this year. It's been Jack Hughes and Capococco, obviously. And then number 20 pick, Ville uh, Hainola. Because they wouldn't pay six Because they just had no players. Yeah. And uh, the Kings, uh, Tobias Bjornfot's been playing. So uh, it, it's it's hard to play as an 18-year-old. But yeah, there's I, always a handful yeah, of no, I, like there's few I, I don't. Th- I don't think it's a skill thing. Like, I, I think he can come in and play. And he's physically, I mean, he's not like... A lot of these guys come in, again, like Tavo, and they're yeah. just so small. Yeah, like he's, he's, he's a big boy. No, he's, yeah, he's a man. He can hold on yeah. to it. Yeah, he, you know, he got... Uh, there was a few times where he got knocked... He was whole eye on the puck, got knocked down, and still held on to it, stood up, and started skating away. Like, it's... Right. 
there's things that he can do that yeah that you don't see on a lot of 18 year olds and the upside is huge and, and maybe it, it it grows if you send him back to uh Saskatoon. And, I just want. I also wonder though, like what. But, but I, I, I clearly think he could play in the NHL now. Like, I, like if I you're the that. Hawks, I mean, you have no control if he's in Saskatoon. You have no really control over his development. Yeah. Like, even in London with Boquist, they had a little bit of control there. They had they had their people there. In Saskatoon, I don't think they really have any connection to that at all. So you have to like, what what is a guy like him going to gain out of another year and just dominating? Juniors? Well, I, I think that the value is that last year he didn't necessarily dominate; it wasn't consistent, yeah. and and that's what Ian Mitchell came back to in his decision. He goes, "I want to go back and just dominate that league," right. and and I think so. I think there's value in something if you can do it consistently. Um, yeah, like an on ice development standpoint, you'd, you'd be better off if he's here, even being a healthy scratch, probably just working out and doing that thing. But I, I think, yeah, I think from a value of just playing and, and hopefully you would think you you dominate that league at this point i don't know it'll be interesting to see because i they, they're gonna have to be swayed to keep him like yeah. it's gonna have to be something pretty dramatic i'm just curious how dramatic it needs to be if he is your ninth best forward in my mind you got to keep him up here and worry about the contract shit later well it's also like how how much of a window do you give him like is it one game because that's not really fair right, right. like it, well, you look at a guy like sod he got Two games, I think it was yeah. when he was uh, when he first came out of junior. They sent him right back, yeah. and then he came back at the end of the year. So I, I, like, I guess that's it too. Like, can you really decipher in one game or two games whether this guy deserves to be here, or makes you good enough, or yeah? I'm, it's interesting because this is not a team that's in a rebuild right now. Yeah, this is a team that's built to win now. It's yeah. got a lot of veterans on it. They've missed the playoffs two straight years. They haven't won a playoff series since they won the Stanley Cup, which is hard to wrap your brain around. That it's been four years since they've won a series. Like, they have to win now, or yeah. jobs are going to be on the line. Yeah. So, if he is good enough to play, if Stan Bowman's thinking... Well, well that's what I would say. I'd know. say, fuck it. Just, if he's good enough to play, put him out, put there. Him out there. It's His development... At some I, point, you got to stop worrying about contracts three years from now, because you might not have a job yeah. three years from now. Yeah, for sure. I, yeah, I, I, you know, I, that's how GMs think. They think about, you know, all GMs. They want to, you know, you, you can't. You have to play the long game and the short game yeah. at the same time. Yeah, I mean, I, I, at this point, I'd be like, you know, if Nylander needs time at Rockford, fine. If Doc's ready to play, play him. Like, it just it's, yeah. there's some things that need to take a precedent, especially uh, the start of the season is not helping them. You know, like if he goes to zero and four, you you need to do. And I, I thought Joe Quinville was always good about that. Was that when it came down to it, it was. Like he, he certainly didn't want to sit Seabrook, but when it came down to it, he sat Seabrook, and yeah. there were times where he just he he. He did what he felt like was the most important thing to win, and I go back to the Yoki Haru thing too. Like you know your job's on the line, and you made him your top pairing defenseman. Right. Like it's um, at some point, Colleton and Bowman have to think that way too. Yeah, and if Doc is good enough, screw it, let him play. Yeah, I mean, what if they lose? If they lose tonight, and they fall to 3 and one. The, the problem is they and, also sit there until three, Friday. Right, right. Then they have three games off, three days off. They're going to be like seventy-four points out of a playoff spot by the time they play again. And yeah, they have games in hand on everybody. But you got to win all those games in hand just to get within striking distance. Yeah. Like things can snowball pretty quickly here. And again, we have to clarify: the Sabers won ten games in the last year and missed the playoffs. Yeah. It doesn't mean a whole lot. But at some point, you're going to have players gripping the stick too tight. You're going to have Colleton making changes out of a, in, a, in a panicky mode. You're going to have Bowman possibly pulling the trigger on some moves that otherwise he wouldn't, because losing games in October feels different than losing them in January, like right, you said. Right, and, yeah. and things could get ugly here really quickly, even though. I think you generally agree with me here. They're not that far off. No, no. Like it's not like an awful team. It's just no. you, you need. The They're win. what we thought they were. They were. They were going to be 
a bubbly kind of team that's going to be in a lot of games, but it's these one-goal games that are going to decide these things. This team doesn't have the killer instinct, obviously, of the 2013-2015 teams. I guess what surprises me is that, and, and it's hard because of the way preseason games are and just a training camp, but you would have thought that lines would have come together at this point. Like, you'd have a better sense of what works and what doesn't work. You would have thought that the lines would come together. You would have thought that the system wouldn't be an issue anymore, but it clearly is because there's still so many guys being left unchecked in front of the preseason. We talk so much about Jeremy Colleton's first training camp, and it looks like they still need more practice time. That's that's disconcerting, to say the least. Yeah, not for sure. Um... Anyway, I'm excited to see Connor McDavid tonight. We don't get to see him very often. Yeah, we don't, right? Like He's been hurt. Uh, uh, in previous times coming. I don't know how many times he's actually played here, but remember Sidney Crosby? It was like six years between visits at the United Center because of all the injuries and, and scheduling and things oh, like that right, for yeah. a while. It was exciting when he came. There's, there's nobody in the sport anywhere close to what Conor McDavid And then Thomas Yurko is the second. And Thomas Yurko. I mean, I think we're just as excited to see Thomas Yurko, who's on the second line Yeah. with James Neal, who's on pace for 7,000 goals. Maybe just, maybe just needed time and Thomas Yurko would have worked out. What do you think uh, Calgary's thinking looking at James Neal? James Neal has, what has he got? Uh, he's got seven goals in five games. Yeah, it's not bad. How many, point, how many points does McDavid have? McDavid's got uh, 12 points. Dreisaitl's got 11 points. In five games? Yes. Wow. I mean, it's basically that's, it's, they're doing all the heavy lifting, those three guys. But that's what you're supposed to have. That's what Kane, Taves, and Dabrinkit should be doing. Colton said that he felt like Taves w- wasn't being rewarded. And I, I'm not sure. I don't know if I see that. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. He hasn't looked like himself. I thought he looked pretty good in preseason. I thought yeah. He has not looked like himself. And again, that was the, the, the play that the game tying goal, that was a very uncharacteristic. That was him. That was yeah. all on Taves. You know, Augustuson did the right move. He flushed his guy around the back of the net. DeHaan moved to the front of the net. This is, this is the Colleton system at work. DeHaan moved to the front of the net and was ready for it. But Taves followed him. Taves did the same thing that DeHaan did, which left Andrew Kopp all alone in the back door. Bam, easy goal. Yeah. Uh, he just does. He, and again, I never worry about Jonathan Taves. He's always going to be fine in the end. But. Sometimes you, you got to light a fire under him, and whether that's putting sod with him, I don't think keeping him with Dabrinkit and Kajula is going to have that effect. Which is, again, th- these are the times when you change up your lines. Yeah. Not after the four-goal game. I, I don't know. I'm just confused right now by what the plan is here. I think that they're just kind of grasping a little bit. Yeah, these games are at least interesting, you know? Like, it's, it's, I'm curious. Like, oh, uh, this team is fascinating, yeah. yeah. Like, this, like, last year the team was just awful, yeah. you know, by, like, November. This year's team, like, you look at it, it's like, well, it could be good, but it's not good right now. Yeah. Like they need to win to get like on the right side of like everything right. rolling. You know. Like yeah. It, if, if they win today and they win Friday, and all of a sudden they're two, two and one. Nobody's sweating this. Anymore. Yeah. Like a victory, I think, would change a lot for this team. So. Yeah. yeah. You you want to go into this three day break here with with some kind of positive momentum and beating a five and zero team, even though it is the Oilers, who it's hard to think of them as serious contenders. It would go a long way, I think. Yeah. And then you got Columbus, Washington, then Vegas. How can you so much different than NBA? Because like if if Edmonton was the NBA team, like they'd win the championship. You know, like <laughs> like the fact that they haven't made the playoffs is crazy. Like the world's best game and the world's best player, and and even now, like you're mocking them being five and zero, even though they have the best <laughs> player in the world. You know, like it's, it's just, hard not to. It's crazy how hockey is. Sometimes. It is. I mean, that's what happens. You know, that's what happens every year. It feels like. Yeah. So anyway. Anyway, so uh, we're back at this on Thursday. Thursday. Yeah. Which uh, we'll have uh, some time to think on this and talk about the Columbus game. We'll put up some questions. Yeah, the questions worked out pretty well. Um, But yeah, until next time, I'm Mark Lazarus. I'm Scott Powers. See ya. Won't you let me try?